0: At Senex, we're locally owned and operated, so your community is our community. That's why your Senex goes far beyond the store. We fuel community connections by supporting local festivals, restoring town monuments, and renovating baseball fields. Now in its fourth year, we'll have contributed more than $400,000 to Senex communities through our hometown pride initiative. Because community connections make the places we live so special. Senex Powered locally.
2: Hello, Bulls fans. Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast and the Blue Eye Podcast net- Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Bulls HQ. That isn't really actually an episode of Bulls HQ. This is actually a bonus episode and it's a, I guess, just a bit of a plug to a new podcast I'm doing with Doug Tonis and C. Red Fred, aka Fred Pfeiffer, wherever. Uh, We've uh, restored the Bulls Beat in, uh, in all its glory in a, in a different form and fashion where, whereby that podcast was previously just dug on himself. Uh, Doug, Fred, and I are now doing a three-man Bulls podcast. So what you will be hearing coming up is actually the first episode of the new version of Bulls Beat. So you can obviously find that on Bulls, on the Bulls Beat feed uh, I wanted to put this up on the Bulls HQ feed that way just to, to let you guys know that this is a podcast that exists, that it's out there, and for you guys to go over and subscribe and follow the Bulls Beat feed if you're not already doing so. So uh, I'm going to give you a bit of a taster as to how this first episode went. Um, I'm pretty sure you've got an understanding of how things might go when... Doug, myself, and Fred are in the same type of room. You've heard our podcasts before, but um, if you enjoyed those type of pods where I've had Doug and Fred on the show before, pretty much the same tenor in the, in the news Bulls Beat. So uh, I'm, I had a lot of fun recording that podcast. I'm going to have a lot of fun doing that podcast in addition to Bulls HQ. There will be a new Bulls HQ podcast coming later in the week, but in the interim, uh, go check out Bulls Beat. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, Google, whatever it might be, you should be able to find Balls Beat, where Fred, Doug, and I are on there just yammering on about our balls being complete loons whilst doing so. So, um, yeah, we'd really appreciate your support in following that show. Obviously, Balls HQ as well, but um, tune in to the first episode of Balls Beat with Fred, Doug, and myself. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: welcome to the Bulls. Show the Chicago
1: Bulls podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls beat, Bulls fans. Doug Tonus here with you now with my best friends, Mark and Fred. And I'm not going to insult either of them, which would be the case if either of them were leading the show instead. But now everyone has to play nice for at least a little bit. Uh, as noted and teased on Twitter, we'll have a little bit of a new format to the show. It's now going to be the three of us every week. We'll probably go off on a bunch of uh, tangents and you won't have my droning on robotically for just 30 minutes, which should be exciting. Uh, we'll start with you, Mark. How are you doing today?
2: Doug, I'm well, mate. Um, it is an absolute honor to be on the Bulls Beat. Uh, not, I didn't expect it to be this form, to be honest with you. I think I've been on the Bulls Beat once before, but to... To now be part of the show, I suppose, with you and Frederick, it's um, it's certainly kind of crazy, actually, to think about it, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Has it
1: really only been once? That blows my mind. I, I actually don't know I that I can so. believe it. That's crazy. Wow. I, I think quite quite you're is, so maybe. popular. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. I, I'm not sure I, I like this format. Why am I not the point guard here? I thought that was working great with us three. I was taking the ball roll. Uh, Doug could have been DeRozan. Mark, you could have been... Uh, Devin Dotson would have been perfect. I don't know what's going That's on. That's exactly
1: here. why you're not the point guard. You just summed it up to me in like the last five seconds of your speech there. So, Fred, how, how's everything guard. going with you?
0: Live the dream, man. After yesterday's uh, dramatic win, I'm still feeling good about the beloved Bull lot to talk about. I know you two uh, seem to have really soured on our friend Patrick Williams. I'm still a believer, <laughs> and I'm still going to maintain a positivity on him, but I'm sure we'll get to that as you're uh, controlling this. So I guess what am I going to play? Shooting guard now? Power forward? What do you want me to
1: be? Doug? I don't know that really we need to define positions on a podcast that seems... <laughs> positionless podcast. Positionless podcast. We're all six eight, uh, switchable people. So uh, maybe we'll kick off with uh, we've got three games maybe since the last show that uh, I guess I don't know it's our first show together so we can even talk about all four games but probably the most interesting game to talk about is the last one against the Raptors but Mark why don't you kick us off with any thoughts you have so far about the Bulls this season.
2: Yeah, like, I'm, I'm of two minds, to be honest with you. Like, obviously, 4-0 is very, very pleasing. It's very good, obviously. Um, you couldn't have asked for a better start in terms of a win-loss perspective, and you can only beat those teams that are ahead of you. But I guess I have some concerns about the way the team has gone about it, I guess, probably more so offensively than the Defensively, which is kind of ironic, given I thought it would be the complete other way around. It's probably more the the half court half court offense I'm a little concerned with, and, and just the way it's functioning at times. They go through lulls, and we saw that against the Raptors, where the team got up by about twenty points. And whether it was the Raptors stepping up pressure, whether it was the Bulls sort of, I don't know, assuming that they were going to win this game, and they kind of uh, you know and took the, their foot off the pedal. They, we saw them do that against the uh, the Pistons and the Pelicans as well, where they got up big, and then all of a sudden allow those you know worst teams I'd say to get back in the game so I don't know I, I don't know, know exactly what it is but they've seemingly built leads against bad teams which is what you want to see they'll obviously you know got these wins which is also encouraging but then they've allowed these teams to get back into it now less so the Pistons and Pelicans but more so obviously uh, the other day against the Raptors where it, it kind of felt like the Bulls were going to drop that game or it felt like last season where they just didn't know how to close out the game and uh, thank. You know, thankfully, DeMar DeRozan is here because he was the only guy that looked like he had any sort of control or poise in the, in, in the clutch there. And um, I don't know if they win that game yesterday without DeMar, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. They definitely don't win that game without DeMar. I thought it was funny. Zach had the ultimate, like he giveth and taketh away, like right in a row. Like he hits a three to put the yeah. Bulls up by 10 and you're like, <laughs> yeah. game over. Uh, Zach Levine icing it for us. Amazing. And then like 10 seconds later, he just turns the ball over out of an out-of-bounds play without even any contact, yeah. just, just loses yeah. the ball for a wide-open uh, dunk or layup, I, for, I forget which, and you're just like, all of a sudden, it's six points again or four points, whatever it cut to, and, it, and now we're, we're back in the game again. And uh, I remember posting on Twitter, I'm like, we're you know, just wrapping this one up, and then all of a sudden, uh, and, and I said, unless there's a crazy finish, and then we had, had the crazy finish. Uh, Fred, how about you? Well, you know what, yesterday's game really
0: reminded me a lot of the Oklahoma City game. I can't recall if that was last year or two years ago, if you remember that horrible loss away we had. I think we had a 10-point lead with a few minutes left. Wendell Cutter Jr. followed a three-point shooter, and then the rest was history as Zach basically dribbled the ball out. That was a game where Valentine accidentally ran into uh, (laughs) Zach as he attempted a game-tying or game-winning three-pointer. I don't know if you recall that game. It just had that feeling like, oh, here we go. We're going to lose the game. And lo and behold, we didn't because DeMar DeRozan is freaking awesome. And it's something that I've been talking about all summer that, like, what's going to happen in the the last few minutes of a game, a close game against a good team? Who's going to be the primary ball handler? Who's going to take the lead uh, with with the ball and make the final decisions? And I said it before, and I, I still feel that way now. I think the Bulls are optimized with DeRozan being the primary ball handler. It's not because he's better than Zach, but he's a better passer than Zach. And Zach is better than DeRozan off the ball. So that's how it should go. And, you know, I feel like everything that good that happened in yesterday's game in a fourth quarter pretty much had to do with DeRozan handling the ball or, you know, something good coming from that. And everything bad, especially in the last few minutes, were when he wasn't holding it, you know. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if Ball eventually kind of grabs that role. He hasn't been in that role anywhere in the NBA because he's such a he was such a poor free throw shooter until last year, which is very interesting. I think that's his issue. I thought he was pretty bad down the stretch with some awful turnovers and an inb- inbounds pass that, oh my gosh, when that happened yesterday, I pretty much lost it. But um, you know, overall, I don't see how anybody could be upset with the team. I mean, we're 4-0 for the first time in 25 years. I mean, we're kind of like nitpicking on things. Overall, we should all be ecstatic, but we really get into a buzzsaw part of the schedule, which will really, I think, shed a lot of light on how good we really are.
1: Yeah, I think the interesting things, and I agree pretty much with everything both of you said, especially your point about DeRozan being the ball handler in clutch situations, because Ball and Levine are both great three-point shooters off, off, um, uh, sorry, catch-and-shoot situations. And so, you know, DeRozan who can create on his own and then move the ball. Well, I think that really puts you in the best position possible because DeRozan isn't going to do much for you off the ball. So that does kind of optimize uh, what you have going on there. And I think he takes uh, care of the ball pretty well as well. But the, the one thing maybe that stood out to me, a few things that stood out to me, at least Pat Williams is really bad and no one Mm -hmm. wants to talk about it, but he's really, really bad. Um, you know, I guess... That he's not that he is, bad, He dog. is. He's really, really bad. He's been terrible <laughs> he's for 60 per, zero He's rebounds.
0: shooting 60% from three. He's 61% from the field. Like, I agree. Okay, like, who, defensively cares? And who cares? Aggressiveness. He's, he's 60% yes. of the
1: field on, like, one and a half shots a game or something stupid. He's
0: 11-18 from the, from the field. It's not... T- that's a good part of his game. I agree with you, Doug. Listen, we're not going to argue on this, like, because... I, overall, I mean, you cannot play 20-some minutes and have zero rebounds
1: as a power apparently, forward. Apparently, we are like, going to argue uh, about it because, you know, you just cut <laughs> me off to, to just... tell me I'm wrong. So,
0: apparently, that's <laughs> just right, let you apparently, go that's just oh, Who's point guard do. here? This
1: is why we need a point guard. I want to be that point guard. <laughs> apparently, you have to be the point guard because as the power forward. You can't just sit there and wait for the ball. Give me the ball, will you, Dan? <laughs> you're going to run and take it. He's going to take the ball. No, but I mean, Pat Williams has been really bad, and... like his shooting percentages have been good. Everything else has been awful. His defense is awful. His rebounding is awful. His assertiveness is awful and whatever. It's fine. He's, he's four games into his second season. He missed training camp two years in a row. There's lots of reasons to think he might be better in the future, but right now I, you know, I don't think he's playing well. So that was maybe the one thing that kind of stands out. And then the other thing is we have no half court offense. Like mm. like the half court offense is alternating who's going to do isolations unless Vucevic is in the game. And then like the Zach Vucevic pick and roll, which amounts in Zach getting blitzed and him getting the ball to Vucevic, who then has, you know, an open shot or open passing opportunity. That's kind of like the one play we have that seems to generate like really clean, good looks pretty consistently. Either Vooch takes a good look or he's able to pass it out to an open three-point shooter. But when we don't have that kind of play going, it's like it was just DeRozan going one-on-one, then Zach going one-on-one. It reminded me a little bit of the Miami Heat in the early Dwayne Wade, LeBron James era, where it was just like, yeah, these guys have not yet figured out how to play together. And I think I'm going to turn around and say that's the most exciting thing about what I've seen so far is we're 4-0, and we don't know how to play together yet. Like, we have no continuity yet, and you have to expect that that is going to get a whole lot better as uh, as time goes on.
2: You would assume it gets better. I'm assuming it, it most certainly will get better. But, I mean, I think the points are related. And uh, I, I take umbrage with you, Frederick, stepping away and wanting to... Or, or you know, putting all the Patrick Williams hate on me and Doug because I know how you truly feel. I know how you truly feel, but I, I think I think Pat being so tentative and so passive is part of the reason why the half court offers offense does suck at times. Now it's not completely all his fault. Like I think with guys like DeRozan and Levine and even Vucevic, you are you know prone or potentially subject to these guys going into ISO mode and, and wanting to do their own thing. And obviously these guys need to come together and learn how to play together. But at the same time, like if if Patrick Williams is just sitting there in the corner and not necessarily doing much or like we saw yesterday against the Raptors where he does get a pass into the corner wide open from from the corner, should be launching a three-point shot but instead turns down the shot and and like completely breaks the offense where it then ultimately results in a DeMar DeRozan contested mid-range jumper. Like those sorts of things are connected. So... (laughs) I mean, we, we can say Patrick Williams is twenty, that he's missed this time amount, amount of time and all this sort of stuff, which is true. But at the same time, like he has been bad, and I think that is connected to the, the team not looking so great in the half court. And it's not surprising that as me like as soon as Caruso comes in or Javante Green comes in and Patrick Williams goes out, then uh, it's not a surprising that the team starts playing a little bit better. So um, yeah, they, they certainly have to figure things out in in the half court, but. Uh, I think Patrick Williams is uh, has got a role to play in, in in that specific sense as well. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being too critical, but it, it kind of is annoying me how we're we're not allowed to be critical of of Patrick Williams. Uh, Patrick Williams, and if we are, we're I don't know. We're just being overly critical and being maniacal in what we're saying.
0: At least uh, that's the feedback that I'm getting. <laughs> well, there's no doubt it's annoying. I mean, it's beyond annoying. I was the guy who only had the guts to criticize him last year. Doug too. And anytime I would have a remote criticism, which was often because he was awful for large swaths of the season, people would jump on me, including mead heads of other podcasts, and act like this was like I was being doing something terrible. I'm speaking the truth, he sucked for large parts of last season because he's 19 and young, and I don't expect the rookie to be well to do well. But like this age excuse has got to stop because. The dude played almost 2,000 minutes in the NBA last year. You know how many rookies are still waiting to hit 2,000 minutes? Like, how long did it take Jimmy Butler to hit 2,000 minutes when he was playing in the NBA? It's like, he had a massive opportunity last year to play about 28 minutes in every game. And no matter how bad he played, Donovan still went with him to give him the experience to mature and to develop. I'm growing a little bit weary of, well, he still needs to develop. Yeah, sure, he's a second-year player, but... I feel he should be a little bit further along than he is right now because he was given a prime opportunity last year that most rookies were not afforded. So, you know, last year, it's fine. We could live with the the, uh, mistakes. We could live with, you know, him going an entire month where uh, he didn't have one positive plus minus and he was, you know, was minus 292 for the year on the team and was just awful defensively and just absent offensively. That was fine. And we saw all those flashes, so development comes first. Development's out the window now. Like, we got to win because our, our window is pretty short with Vooch and our window is, is pretty short with DeRozan. And I just was hoping he'd be a little little bit further along. I will defend him in that he's missed two preseasons completely. And I do see signs occasionally that – there's no doubt. The, guy, the kid has immense amounts of talents. My biggest concern is as a coach – People either have a motor or they don't. It's very hard to turn that on. And the only way to turn it on is is really like driving hard, putting a fire underneath somebody. And I'm not sure Billy and the staff and the front office are willing to do that with this kid because he is st- so young. So, you know, Doug brought up the point. Is he better off coming off the bench? But why don't we get on to that topic? I'll turn it over to you, Doug, on this one. This is what a point guard does. He sets up others for excellence. What say you, Doug. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean it's always always set up for excellence when I get to follow you speak. Because I can correct so many things you say wrong. So you're right. You're just, How dare just, you?
0: How dare you? What did I say not, that was out, not, out of turn there? Nothing really. I, I just
1: I just needed the, You were
0: nodding your head the whole time. I, I, agree. Right? I was going?
1: actually. I agree almost with everything you said. I just, you know, after you just proclaimed you're the point guard again, I just had to knock you down a peg because that's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> you know, I actually agree with pretty much what you say around Pat Williams. The thing is, we saw Scotty Barnes yesterday for Toronto. Yeah. And Scotty Barnes just looked like what you want Pat Williams to look like. If he was aggressively making mistakes, Like, we'd be like, oh, I see signs. I see him doing this. And I think that just gets to your point. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be an aggressive player. You can't be a power forward and get zero rebounds in that many minutes, especially when the Bulls are undersized and desperately need you to do that. Someone needs to get in this ear and say, all we need you to do is defend and play like a wild man, get out there, get after it, be disruptive, and get rebounds, and then hit open three-point shots. That's what we need from you. And of those things, he's hitting open three-point shots. And that's kind of it. So you know
0: what I find interesting is you could see that the, the coaches have told him like to me the biggest issue with him on, on the offensive end is all, there's one thing I want, want him to do, which is just attack the offensive boards. He's played so far this year 108 minutes. He has one offensive board, which is inexcusable. You have three guys on your team that are attracting doubles often. There's almost every time there's a possession and he's on the court one of those three guys, there's gonna be a guy leaving either him or another player to double on, on Zach, Vooch, or DeRozan, which leaves a massive opportunity for an offensive board. It's inexcusable that he has one offensive board. Just inexcusable. And if you watch the game and actually focus on Patrick, there's far too many times that a shot goes up and he's standing at the three-point line walking back uh, to play defense. There's two options, Patrick. You're either sprinting back to play defense or you're sprinting at the rim. No more walking. There's far too much walking on the stinking floor. And all you have to have is a coach to sit with him and show him the video. And I think his behavior would change. I have seen it change sometimes where he is flying towards the rim, but he doesn't do it with the reckless abandon that we see from Javante Green or players that have a much greater fire. And that's got to change or he's not going to play. End of story. See, I, I'm
2: I'm less concerned with the offensive rebounding because that just might not be a mandate for this specific team because they are playing four out, sometimes five out, depending where Demar is and Vucevic is. So, I don't really have a massive problem with the offensive rebounding. Like if if like I said, if the mandate is to get back on defense or not to crash the offensive glass because you're concerned with this team's transition defense, then maybe that's not why they're doing it. But to have eight defensive rebounds on the year, over 108 minutes played on the season thus far. Considering this team is 25th in defensive rebounding posi- uh, percentage and beyond Vucevic and, and you know, Lonzo, let's say, there's not many guys actually grabbing boards at the moment, then th- that's my issue with Pat. Like, if, fair enough, like, you've, you've been injured, you missed training camp, I'm not expecting you to come out and average 15 or 20 points, I'm not expecting you to have your, your full groove offensively. But in terms of just doing the complete basic things, like Doug said, like shoot the open three, get a rebound, like these are these are base minimum things. And uh, I know people like to go with the, the Kawhi comparison, but he, he's looking closer to Tony Snell right now, which is um, not ideal. Oh so God. I mean, look, he's, he. I, I sent you the stat line that he had in his first stint yesterday. He had zeros all across the board. he's he's not playing well he's not playing well and I I get there's reasons for it but at the same time he's he's been bad we need to call it out and uh hopefully it hopefully it changes soon otherwise he should go to the bench
0: yeah but Mark wouldn't you agree the most important number for him is rebounds like yeah that's that's what I just said okay okay. well I thought you were saying well there's other things Uh, to me there's nothing else like rebound the damn basketball AJ AJ's played 45 minutes He has four offensive rebounds and 10 (laughs) defensive rebounds for a total of 14. AJ. Are
1: are we calling him
2: AJ because he can't pronounce Alizé?
1: That is is correct. We've gone over this on (laughs) our other show. He cannot (laughs) pronounce Alizé.
0: (laughs) I like AJ. So
1: he's going with AJ.
0: Patrick Williams has one offensive rebound, eight defensive rebounds, nine total in 108 minutes. So he's played almost three times the amount of minutes. And, you know, AJ is just trucking him in every aspect of of rebounding. So – It's embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. It's got to change or else. uh... But to that end, I posted a poll today. Doug, again, here's let me assist you. What do you do? Do you send him to the bench in a role that he's more accustomed to uh, due to his experience in college? Do you keep him in the starting role? Or do you, you know, do
1: you not know? I'll turn it over to you, Doug, first. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't need to play point guard as much as you desperately want to, as much as you desperately need to. You could you could turn on the chat like Mark and I have so we can coordinate. You could turn on the video oh. so, like, <laughs> we can see you and then we could, you know, actually talk about this and then right. we wouldn't need all these handovers. But, you know.
2: Doug, he still hasn't got his video on it, even
1: though we told him to turn his video on. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's really it's really frustrating. I mean, this is. I promise I'll r- figure out how to do it by the he's, next he's show. He's recording, recording on VHS and then, he's going to send the VHS to Mark then have to tr- beta. transcribe beta, it right. anyway word anyway yeah I, I yeah. mean as, as we discussed on the big red bus I would I would bench I would bench uh, Williams I would put green in the starting lineup uh, I think this helps Williams because he gets to actually touch the ball more and gets to do a little bit more on offense and he's going to get to do when he's the fifth option which he is in the starting lineup and then you know the energy role isn't maybe quite as critical uh, when he's coming off the bench and they could actually use him more a, a little bit offensively and he could experiment a little bit with the ball in his hands and then Javante Green who's just a hustle player and a driver and a cutter and is just gonna you know play off other people with Lonzo Ball and all the other starters in the game you know he's gonna be at his best and he's gonna get those free looks so that's what i would probably do for the team you know in the end I don't really care so much because w- they're not closing with Williams uh, you know all that much and I think that's that's probably what really matters but you know, I, I I'm with you. I would I'd pull him off. I'd, I'd let him come off the bench and let him earn his role. We're trying to win games now, not trying to develop players.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think why this why I like the idea of adding someone like Javante into the starting unit is for whatever reason the Bulls starters have been kind of laconic to start the games, and this has been a trend in all four games. I don't know why, but like particularly Zach, for example, like has just barely even looked like he wanted to score the ball in the first quarter. Has gone off and exploded in the second and third quarters, but. I don't know. He's been in chill mode in the first quarter. Maybe that's him just sort of allowing DeMar and Virch and Lonzo to do their thing initially. And it's part of just the the gelling of the team. But... I like the idea of putting in Javante to get things started because he just comes in and plays with a, a level of intensity that will sort of rub off onto the starters as well and if you go and look at the, the quarter by quarter breakdown of the, the team's offensive rating in, in the first quarter, it's it's been quite bad uh, I think there's, been, there's literally been one game where they've turned up offensively in the first quarter and that was against the Pal- uh, sorry the Pistons if I'm not mistaken but even yesterday there was a point where they had 13 points on 19, 19 attempts so yeah it's just the start is what's doing the bulls in they came back in the second quarter they obviously build the lead in that in the in the third quarter and that's just been a general trend for the team but um yeah i think there's things to work on there's things to to experiment with and i guess the good thing like like we like we noted up front like you've got these things that we can note down that are concerns that are areas that we can improve on but the fact that the team's 4-0 whilst we're doing that or have the ability to look at those things like ultimately that's all that matters like it, it, come December, come January, February, etc. When we're looking back on the record now, four and will be four and and that's ultimately all that matters. So we've got to bank these wins. That's the upside, and before uh, before we head into November, when when um, the schedule really turns up,
0: I still feel the ceiling is determined by Patrick, and unfortunately, that's his, that's our option, our best option at power forward to start games. Uh, is you know when and when you look back, if we could have just somehow made that trade with. The Spurs for DeRozan by including Laurie instead of Thad yeah. Young, this team would be much further along. In fact, I would be even willing to guarantee that we'd be a top four seed and potentially challenge, you know, for a second round, maybe even Eastern Conference Finals appearance. But without having anybody at the four, we're, we're going to have major issues. We play really good teams with really good front courts when it comes to rebounding the basketball I and you know what mark you were right about Vooch if Vooch went down my goodness can you imagine where this team would be in rebounding the basketball it's like uh, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen a game like yesterday where you know we shot basically forty eight percent the opposing team shot forty percent we were out rebounded by that amount I think we had what thirty two boards for the game I gotta look it up, but I thought we were out rebounded by twenty some rebounds, Doug. Yeah, the
1: important thing I think when looking at rebounds is not looking at total rebounds because rebounds are a trailing indicator. Most rebounds are defensive. You usually get a lot more rebounds than your opponent because they're missing more shots than you. Uh, what you really want to look at is the rebound rate of the two teams, and we, we got killed in that too. So you know we, we did legitimately uh, get beaten up, but it's probably because we had similar shots. More more useful to look at the offensive rebounds, which I think was five to fourteen. Uh, In that game. The one thing that's really kind of the opposite of that, that the Bulls have done extremely well in is turnovers. And that's that we we pretty much have crushed the other team in turnovers. And we've, one, generated a lot of great offense off of the opposing team's turnovers. And then two, we're not turning the ball over ourselves much, giving them lots of free looks. And I think that's been probably the biggest part of what has helped us the most. And then maybe just one other side comment to what you mentioned ways back with the start. I don't know what Zach is shooting in the first quarter. But it's got to be something like 5%, which is like yeah. insane because he's shooting, I think, over 50% uh, from the field. I, didn't, I don't know if I looked up after last game, but his percentages for the year have really been fantastic. But uh, he was like 0 for 5, I think, in a couple quarters. was 0 for 5 and 0 for 6 or something like that. Like he, like just awful in the first quarter. So uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how that goes. Mark? Yeah, I, I
2: guess, look, we've touched on... Look, maybe maybe we've done this wrong. Like we're four and zero. Maybe we should be talking about the positives. But at the same time, I don't know. May, maybe it's just me that I'm glass half empty type person. But look, my my main criticisms of the team has just been the half court offense, Patrick Williams. But I, another thing that I wanted to raise, and I think we'd be remiss not to raise as well, is the the three point shooting of this team. Uh, the the balls are currently like dead last in terms of percentage of of field goal attempts that are that come from the three point line. Which was a concern that I had coming into the season. Now they've found ways to mm-hmm. mitigate that because of what you just sort of noted there, Doug. That their their defense is fueling their offense. They're creating turnovers. They're getting on the breaks, and you know they're they're, they're top of the league basically in those in those type of fields, which is sort of maybe bridging the gap some in terms of the lack of three-point shooting they do have. But I I don't know about you guys, but particularly when this second unit comes in, when it's like DeRozan surrounded by Javante, AJ, (laughs) uh, Caruso, like these types of guys, there's not a lot of shooting out there. Um, And and I just sit there, I sit back and wonder like, I really, I'm looking forward to Kobe White coming back, I suppose. But at the same time, I'm still questioning whether there's enough shooting on this team, particularly on the bench. I, I don't know if you guys have that sort of feel um, if, if maybe i'm overreacting to that some but uh have you guys thought about that or seen that through the, the first the first four opening games
0: well i think you're probably overreacting to it considering they're <laughs> shooting 42 percent as a team from three i don't understand what your problem is, well, Tony the, Brown Jr. The volume is 40- oh the volume is that yeah. what you're concerned about then they're lost in the league oh, okay volume yeah well that's partly due to the fact that the is going to be such have a higher usage rate and he's not a guy who's going to put up a lot of threes uh i think that's probably the reason more so the reason and he's actually shooting at a decent level uh when kobe comes back that problem's going to be solved i mean gosh you remember the kid hit eight three pointers in one game you've become a fan now i've seen your tweets lately mark let's not let's not fake it anymore you love kobe he's a I've always guy liked like kobe's a bench guy he's a perfect his role is perfect as a catch and shoot guy he's going to take advantage of all the doubles and triples on other players and he's going to thrive in this role so i'm not really worried about it at all you know i i do feel though i will admit Troy Brown Jr., and I have zero faith that those guys are continuing. Even Green at the numbers they're currently shooting at. I don't think that's going to continue. And even Patrick Williams is shooting at 60%, and Crusoe's at 66%. Uh, but I do think the teams going to be better than you expected as a, as a percentage-wise. So just, you just want more attempts from the three-point line.
1: Kobe will get you that.
0: Kobe will get you more attempts.
1: That's for sure. Yeah, he certainly will. How <laughs> you? If we could get Valentine back, we could definitely ramp yeah. up the attempts.
0: Now we're talking. Now we're, we're talking. We're not worried about the percentages no, anymore. We're just
1: worried about the attempts. Valentine. Would... I told you I'd mix it up. But like the somehow.
2: percentages doesn't matter to me if your attempts aren't. You know, aren't where they should be. Like it's the same argument where people are trying to tell me that Rajon Rondo is a good three point shooter because he once shot thirty percent, thirty seven percent from three, or something like that. But he was doing it on like one and a half attempts per game. Like it means nothing to me if your attempts aren't where they should be and you're shooting at a high percentage like okay you like you you're maybe you're 30th in in, in in attempts but maybe you're top 10 in in percentage but if you if your attempts aren't where they should be then what, what does it truly mean so I think it does matter and it, it matters in the sense that if for whatever reason the Bulls have a game where they can't get in the passing lanes they're not forcing as many steals or not having as many blocks like they're getting by at the moment because they're getting like double digit blocks and steals at the moment at least it feels like they are but if we, for whatever reason, they come against a, a, a come up against a team that is controlling the ball and you know is more careful with the ball than say these bad teams like the Pistons or the Pelicans, and they can't necessarily generate the level of offense that you would hope from from their defense, then as we sort of noted, the half court. The half court offense looks bad at times, and if you can't just sort of generate more more uh, points per possession from the three point line because you're not taking threes, then I think that's where the balls are kind of get, getting stuck as well. So it, it's just a watch point, something to take note of. But um, that's the glaring weakness that I see on offense at the
1: moment. One thing that's funny about that is uh, I just looked it up because you were talking about it. I knew we were low on attempts. I didn't realize yeah. how low. Take take. Yeah, it's, it's and, I mean, Fred Fred and Mark might know this because he, he obviously yeah. looked this up. Fred take a guess how many attempts per game do you think we have and what do you think the league average is
0: uh well league average I'm guessing is right around 40 probably now somewhere between 35 and 40 okay it's
1: 36 so right on where do you think we are okay
0: um gosh are we below 30 please don't say we're below 30. well hold on let me think about this let me meditate for a second oh my god
1: just throw out a number dude the I, I'll fans say, are I'll, waiting. say
0: <laughs> I'll say we're at I'll say we're at 30 30. We're, 30 is exceptionally low we're at 26. Oh my god. 26 game. Oh my game. god. T- I just I literally just fell back in my 10, chair if you guys saw the video below the league average. Like 10 below the league average. It's like it's I'm holding my heart like Red Fox from that show uh, Sanford and Son. Do you remember it's that? It's the big one. <laughs> it's the big one. Here we go. Mark doesn't Yeah, Mark doesn't even know this. One. You don't know Fred Rogers, you don't know Fred uh, Why Sanford. You know and son? Why would you know this? Why would you know this? This is like even before our
1: time. One Mark is not like 50. <laughs> And two, he's not from the U.S. <laughs> How dare you? And three, it's like neither two. am I. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's go on. All right, all right. Let's go. What all right, are we so at? next, what, next, uh, next topic. All right, I want to. I want to. Before we here. can, can we
0: go back to something more important than that? that though, what, what
1: are we? Uh, uh, more what important are we than we with the next topic? Throw. You don't even know what the
0: next no, no, topic no, no. is. Free throw attempts. Free throw <laughs> attempts. I want to know where we are with that right now.
1: <laughs>
0: where are we at with that?
1: Uh, free throw attempts are right in the the middle of the league. We're we are at Gosh, uh, twenty point three, and the league average is nineteen point eight. Yeah, so free throw attempts
0: are way down across the league. So we're right above league average, then, right?
1: We're slightly above league average, and we're actually third in the league in free throw percentage. So, so, so we were so
0: dead last. So we're doing pretty dead well last last year in free throw attempts. So I think that does mitigate a little bit of your concern, Mark. If you go back to one of the great teams of the mid mid two thousands two thousand tens, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they didn't have any really great three point shooters. I think Durant probably was their best three point shooter. But they got to the free throw line a ton. That helps to mitigate uh, a lack of three point attempts. Even the the three alphas was a similar built a similar in a
1: similar way. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Our uh, ability to get to the free throw line being improved, as well as the great percentages, as well as getting out the transition has helped uh, considerably. And really, the Bulls' defense overall. So before we get get out of here, I have like just a few random random topics. So one, uh, Marco Simonovic, Simonovich? I don't know which one of those is. Rusty! We're not going to go MS. with Rusty. Uh, Mark, Mark, you're our expert. Is it Simonovich or Simonovich
2: uh, uh, we're going with? I, I say Simonovich, I Simonovich. or Sim- Simonovich. What? But like, we, we can Rusty. call him MS. Him and... Let's just call him MS. We're going We're going Why not? just call
1: him MS. Because that's <laughs> about how much we feel about him right now. Um, so... I was just
2: going with the, the, these initials, like, oh. are we, like we're like doing with AJ and Alizé or yeah, yeah, Elise right. or whatever.
1: Yeah. So anyway, Marco uh, is potentially heading to the, the G League this I mean there's comments from Donovan I think it was close to a week ago now where he said he might have to go down to the G League I don't know if they officially sent him to the G League uh, but my first thought on this this guy is just a bust he's done he's never going to be an NBA caliber player anyone want to challenge that Wow, well, I
0: mean, <laughs> I all right, too, Fred. Fred, now you get
1: to you get to you get to be a rusty stand now. Let's go for it. Let's hear your well, argument. Well, I just don't think
0: I don't think there's any uh, proof that that's necessary. Like, if you look at some of the players that spent time in the G League, Daniel Gafford, he turned into a solid rotation player. I, I think we all know who we who we kid now. Everybody I, in, on this show, outside of Mark, knows that Rusty's not going to be great. Right he, at the best, he's going to be a bottom of the end rotation player. Um, and so, you know, I think he should be going to the G League. He needs a little bit of work. He's not going to get it with this team because he's a 15th guy coming off the bench. Get to the G League. Work on your game like Gaffer did, like Valentine did, like Ryan A did. Like a lot of players for this team. One of those guys that is out of the league. Take a guess which one. Um, but anyhow, I mean, I, I really think that the G League is good for a player like him. And I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think it's way too early to call, call him a bust, Doug. Do you think I should go down to the G League with him? Why would he? Why would we want that? Based on his play, uh, the G League is for players like Rusty and Minnie Cooper, not for Io, who's clearly <laughs> contributing to the victories for this team. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I don't know if you guys felt this way. I'll send Troy Brown juniors back ahead of him in rotation. I wasn't didn't understand that yesterday. I guess maybe
1: Troy complained. That's what I'm guessing. Well, yeah, that has uh, to. I, be I it. doubt he complained. It <laughs> has to be <laughs> Troy Brown complaining and Donovan going, "Oh wow, he complained. Let me mix up the whole rotation." <laughs> Uh so yeah. anyway, before we go back to Fred's looney conspiracy theories, which will probably uh hit somewhere around Tom Thibodeau being the root of all of these problems uh in in the end or something that has to do with sevens in some way um mark thoughts well, on Brown's number seven thoughts on uh Simonovich, <laughs> Simonovich. uh look uh, look I'm
2: not expecting much from him this season, obviously. Uh, you, you've clearly got Vucure. I've noted on my podcast that I, I think he's the most important player on the team. But beyond him, you know, Alize or AJ has has had a you know an impact for this team. I, I I definitely want to see more minutes of him to the point where he's clearly the backup center. And Tony Bradley hasn't really got a look in at, at this point. So I don't know. Like obviously, Vucevic is very 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 important to this team the way it's currently constructed. I think the Bulls will eventually need to make a trade for a big, but. It just doesn't seem like there's going to be many minutes for him, even if Vucevic was to go down. Like there was the Vucevic was questionable for before, before yesterday's game, but even then, like I was, I, I was like wondering if we would even see Simonovic. But, but uh, Billy Donovan's already experimented with lineups with Patrick Williams at center, you know, briefly, albeit. But nonetheless, like that's where he's he's thinking he's going. So I don't think we're going to see much of him at all. Whether he's a bust, who who the hell knows? But I'm pretty sure he has a three-year guaranteed deal. So. Um. Hopefully, it's not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I and here, here's my argument. Look, the Bulls desperately need a big man who doesn't blow, like Patrick rebound, Patrick rebounds, Patrick Williams, who had zero rebounds, uh, cannot play center. You can't have a zero rebounding center, like you just can't. Like that's a pretty important thing to do as your center. And so, like, like I just I think like you look at all of the holes we have up front in the front court and your thought is there's zero minutes available for Simonovic. And all that tells me is like, this dude blows. Like we found minutes for Io already. <laughs> like, and, and we have like a glut of guards and we found minutes for Io already. You're telling me that Sim- Simonovic just can't find any minutes because we just have such overwhelming talent in the front court. Like, no, we have no talent in the front court outside of Vucevic. And the reason he can't find minutes is because he's so much worse than all the other non-talented front court players that we have. And so they were going to send him to the G League. This guy is not going to do anything for the Bulls ever. And that's fine. I don't care. People are going to say, like, oh, you hate AK for saying this. No, we needed to draft a draft and stash player. Like, we we didn't have roster spots available, so we we're going to take the best Euro available. Or we are going to trade the pick into the future. Samanovich was the best Euro available. We took him. We, we grabbed him. It didn't work out. Most second-rounders don't work out i don't care but he's a bust he's already on my mind that's all i gotta say i've given up on this dude four games in and... mark
0: that cut hard <laughs> instead no, of I... drafting stash we drafted draft and trash, draft so trash. that's not good <laughs> it's, i'm it's so fine. sorry no it's fine I'm so sorry you
1: take chances like in the second round you just take chances like sometimes they work out sometimes they don't this is one that we took it didn't work out it made sense that we took it it's fine i don't care but it didn't work out anyway did you see what you walked into mark with this show
0: you see what we're talking about here? Doug tells it like it is, and it, sometimes it hurts. But it's better for you so you can realize that his future is very, uh, let's just put it uh, diminishing. Let's put it that way. Well, look, I'm, I'm just happy to be amongst friends. To be honest with you, and not hosting a podcast, so that, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. To be honest with you, the two legends and yourself, I agree. It's fantastic, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, very yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very enjoyable. I'm gonna, hey, I want to talk about something. else. I'm
1: gonna start just muting you, Fred. Okay. Like if you, if okay, you, I, I have the power just to mute your ass. So just you know, just be aware. Like, <laughs> you got gotta watch your insults here. Um, I got I got another topic. We'll, we'll get to whatever you want after this last one. All right, okay, Dennis Rodman. Is he a top 75 player in the NBA? He made the top 75 list.
2: Oh, Anthony Davis certainly is not a top 75 player. That is for for certain, even though he made it. But
0: Dennis Rodman, I don't know. That's tough. Did Ben Wallace make it? Ben Wallace did not make it. Hmm. I I think Ben Wallace was a better player than Dennis Rodman.
2: Yeah. I I don't know, to be honest. It's it's always hard to judge these sort of defense first guys or guys that don't necessarily bring a ton offensively and, and how you'd value their their contributions and obviously like Rodman's probably in there because he's has got what the five titles as well which I mean if, if Dennis Rodman only have one title or two titles or something like that is he in this list no
1: uh, no way no. Here, here, no. all no right way, I, so. I thought this was going to be an argument because absolutely not he's not even freaking close Not even close. It's ridiculous that he's on this list unless you want to say Dennis Rodman is a top 75 icon, in which case I completely agree. Like he might be a top 30 icon. If you're going to start naming people who played in the NBA, you might not hit 30 guys before you hit Dennis Rodman. And, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. And he, he was like colorful. His personality was off the charts. And so you can't tell the story of the NBA without Dennis Rodman because of who he was. But as a player in in Fred's favorite uh, game of lining dudes up at Lifetime Fitness to play, there's no way that Dennis Rodman is a top 75 player in the NBA. Um, And here's here's what I'm going to tell you. If he didn't land on the Bulls, this guy would have had two titles. He was the sixth best player on one of them and maybe the fourth on the second. So not like a major, major contributor. It'd be like saying Tony Kukoc or something in comparison. And then he went to the Spurs, which was a title contending team and tanked their team Like the Spurs wanted to kick him off off. while trying to win a title because he was so distracting and such a pain in the ass that they just wanted to get rid of him. And if he went to anywhere outside of Chicago, he would have never won another title again. And then his legacy would have been fringe player on two title teams, tanks a team trying to win a title, and then goes off into obscurity. This dude owes his entire career to Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson for being able to put up with his crazy ass. And make this whole thing work. And if you want to know if the Bulls could have done it without Robin, well they did it three times without him with Horace Grant and Horace Grant ain't sniffing the top 75 list. and I love Horace Grant. he's yeah. great. and I love Dennis Robin too. Dennis Robin is awesome. I'm I'm like glad he made the Hall of Fame. I think he's a great player. I, you know, he's an easy guy to root for. He's just crazy, but he wasn't a top 75 guy. And that, and maybe if your your way of telling the story is just like the top 75 is the top 75 most important players and not the best players. I could maybe get behind Robin being in that group just because of how things turned out. Uh, there's, there's like a weird argument, like I said, about him being an icon. But anyway, I was hoping to get some fight, but apparently not. Apparently, we're all Dennis Rodman haters.
0: I agree. <laughs> you know, I love Dennis Rodman, but I agree 100%, Doug. He wasn't the best. I, I, I think Kukoc was, Kukoc was more important to winning those titles. And, uh, you know, Kyle Korver is not going to be in the top 75. To me, Kyle Korver is the best three-point shooter I ever saw. I kind of view Dennis Rodman the same way. He's a role player. Very good defender, one of the best rebounders in NBA history. But on the offensive end, you can't be that deficient. He was terrible. He was a terrible free throw shooter. He was awful. He didn't do anything on the How offensive How are you end taking Kyle rebound. Korver over uh, Steph Curry? <laughs> Like I yeah. just, oh I yeah, just, I just got out, like, like wonder, Ray like, like <laughs> what is wrong with <laughs> right, you? Right. Let me take that back. Well, you know, Kyle Korver is up there though. He's probably in the top three. times. he's in the top three. Uh, I mean, like of a guy who's not
1: shooting off the dribble and is only doing catch and shoot shots is just in a different category. Like you would take someone like James Harden or Ray Allen over Kyle Korver.
0: If somebody was going to pour hot wax on you, and you said <laughs> this guy's got to make a shot, uh, Kyle Korver, or else you get the hot wax poured on you. Poured, poured on you. And there's
1: a defender near him. No, I'm just saying, well, who's yeah? Well, yeah, there's Korver, defenders in the NBA, Fred. There's guys that try to stop you from scoring. I'm not sure Kyle if you're Corver aware of that. Kyle Corver is pretty good at I've, moving. I and, play it, basketball <laughs> with you, so I know that might be confusing for you, that part of the game. But
0: I believe in positional defense, <laughs> where you, you guard a position on the court very well. Um, no, Kyle Corver, I mean, as far as like, hey, I want that guy to hit a shot. I mean, he's pretty good when it comes to hitting. Sure, sh- if he's standing the, there and, and there's right
1: no one there. near him, Kyle Corver is amazing. And, and, Did and you just can...
2: raise Kyle Korver's name just so you could mention Tibbs and how he didn't play him enough? Is that the <laughs> This is the, the end game. Intent? There, oh
1: man, I didn't <laughs> even we go. I didn't even see it coming, Mark. Man, that was that was very, very. By the way, Keith
0: Bogan started <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tibbs, uh, uh, Tibbs. started Keith I think, Keith I think we had Kyle a Korver. mandate not to mention former players um, on, on the <laughs> no, show. That's right, <laughs> mandate on the show. All right, can I bring up another? You topic? can bring up another topic, Fred. It's it's all you now. <laughs> it's all you.
0: So I posted so I posted another incredible poll.
1: Oh, about uh, oh, Harden.
0: I don't I don't know if you guys knew this, that Harden and DeMar DeRozan are extremely close. They yeah. uh text each other uh nightly about how many free throw attempts each one had. They're from LA, I think originally. And I brought up the point that Harden has his uh opt out at the end of this year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. If he and I am certain that if the Bulls if he decides some for some reason to leave uh you know, Brooklyn, whatever it may be, I think the Bulls would absolutely be a destination you would choose to go to. Would you be open to bringing,
1: uh, J- you know, James Harden to the Bulls? No, I hate that guy. Why? Of course, yes, you <laughs> bring James Harden to the Bulls. Like, yeah, what's he gonna do? Sign here for like the MLE though? I mean, like we don't. No, have, you'd have to get. We don't have forty million. You have to get. You'd have to get rid of Vooch, you'd have to get rid of Patrick Williams
0: and then you'd have thirty million dollars open. I don't think that would get you thirty wow, million not the how cap. Works.
1: You'd have to you'd have to trade those guys <laughs> for Harden and then you'd have to throw in other stuff. But yeah, sure, I'd still do it. If we could f- come up with some reasonable way to add James Harden, yeah, even though I can't stand him and he I don't trust him to stay in shape and his game is slipping and whatever all these these other things, yes, you would you would take it and you would you would hope for the best. What
0: percentage of the fan base do you think? would
1: not want Harden on the Bulls. Probably an absurdly large amount that I would be embarrassed of. Uh,
0: I can't find it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, way to go, Fred. Thanks for Uh, for bringing up this topic and then just sinking it right there. (laughs) Where did I put it? Uh, You you wanted uh, to discuss
2: this topic. You kept interjecting for like 10 minutes. Can I raise a topic? Can I raise a topic? And you didn't even have the facts.
0: (laughs) That's not how I said it. it That's how I heard it. Well, this is going to be a real hit, real hit with everybody. You know, Mark, did you know we're top 100 now on Apple for the uh, Big Red Bus? That's pretty really? awesome, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. Congrats, man.
0: Everybody give us uh, positive views on the big, uh, for the Big Red Bus <laughs> on Apple. Why are
1: you talking Maybe. about the Big and Red Bus? Too. <laughs> like
0: you're pimping a show we're not even on at the moment. Doug, I thought this was a promotional vehicle for the Big Red Bus. <laughs> Next question. I got another question. Doug, uh, Mark.
1: Yeah. Have you have you do you know who um, did you just pass the ball to both of us at the same time point guard? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, do you know who,
0: um, who, who oh gosh, I'm having a senior moment here. Who was I going to talk Does about? Does it have to do with our uh, favorite breakfast food? No, what's his, the guy in Fantasy Island? What's his name? Uh, Ricardo Montalbán. Yeah. Doug, do you know who Ricardo, Another old
2: person's reference.
0: Do you know Ricardo Montalbán? Do you know that is? I spoke in Vegas this last week and I brought him. I have, up a great I have no idea.
1: Are you kidding me? Is it the plane guy? I can't guy? believe you don't...
0: No, it's the guy standing next to the plane guy at Fantasy Island. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah, sure. He was, Ricardo Montalban. He was old 40 years ago. I know that.
0: Well, Ricardo Montalban was a big deal like in the early 90s. Khan, Star Trek II, Khan. He played Khan. Did you see that, Mark? No. Star
1: Trek? Okay, where are I you going with you this? Been... Just, just get there. Right. My whole point is.
0: is in the early 90s... Everybody knew who Ricardo Montalban. Probably was. not sure even then, but go ahead. <laughs> it was absolutely true, and then suddenly, probably in around 2000, I started talking about Ricardo Montalban, and nobody had any idea who the hell I was talking about. That's, I realized, that's not surprising. Just like that, just like that, things could change quickly. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks for Is that. Is there a point after this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was comparing it. I was comparing it to privacy in general. Like our generation, I think. Uh, really holds privacy like a kind of like a virtue. Um and Doug, I'm sure you've seen with your teenage daughters and mine too. My my teenage daughter, privacy doesn't exist for seventeen year olds. They they put it on whatever they want to talk about online. And I think privacy is going to be something in ten years that people are going to be far less concerned about. I, say I gotta say, as someone who okay. opens
1: up a party every year to anyone on the internet who wants to come That privacy clearly is not that important to me uh, at this moment in time. But I agree with your assertion that privacy is less important than it used to be to most people. I guess
2: all I would say is relevancy and that point that you raised in terms of its relevancy to this podcast. Like, I know this what was, the hell this are banging on about? I was
1: just trying to roll with it this time. You know, I was completely <laughs> yeah. flummoxed the last few times we talked about breakfast sausage and and <laughs> rock bands from well, the 70s. But this time I'm just <laughs> like, all right, we're talking about privacy. I'm in. Here's my thoughts. I got.
0: I, <laughs> I, I think at big picture, privacy, Ricardo Montalban and uh, Rusty are all similar. In 10 years, nobody's going to care <laughs> about him
1: or know who they I are. Like I like the way you tied it back. It took me a second to realize Rusty was a tie-in back to the the podcast because that was uh, – But – that's good. I, all right. I, I think this I gotta, is... I got to walk my dog. I think that's a great way we can even end with our typical cut line of, of are you going to cut that, Mark? Um, all right. Well, thank you for, for the inaugural... Uh, inaugural. I guess it's not inaugural. We've had episodes before, but the first, uh, the first episode with the three of us on the Bulls Beat, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, Mark, Fred, we'll start with you, Mark. Tell us where you can find you on your other shows and anything else you want to add, because apparently it's just, uh, you know, we're really just pimping out other shows. According to Fred.
2: <laughs> well, if you want to listen to me playing point guard on my own show, <laughs> Bulls HQ, you can follow me on Twitter at MK Hoops. Why would you not? I'm trying to. My mission for the end of 2021 is to get more followers than Fred. I'm, I'm getting close. So, uh, if people want to oblige me, uh, MK Hoops on Twitter.
1: All right, Fred, I'm, you got you got to pick something else out here.
0: Yeah, I'm quickly approaching 7,700. 700- and seventy seven followers. Are you going to lock it and after whoever, that? <laughs> whoever, yeah, I think I might shut down Twitter at that point. Just go to Instagram and begin my march to seventy seven seven seven. But um, what was the point of something? Oh yeah, Can you imagine how disappointed Doug somebody's going to be, who's a Bulls beat fan who waits anxiously for your <laughs> shows, and then all of a sudden they, they haven't been paying attention. All of a sudden they get this one. They're going to be like, oh my god, waiting for high intellect, high high uh, you know high minded discussions. Uh, anyhow. Big Red Bus is where you find me driving. I'm the point guard in that show. If you want to see my point guard <laughs> skills, that's where you can find me. Uh, and then also, um, I'm thinking about writing articles again. I got some good ideas about Ricardo uh-huh. uh Rusty, and Privacy. A um, lot, lot of interesting People stuff. People
1: are waiting for that content.
0: <laughs> <laughs> by, the way, by the way, I have some more good news. I've almost done with the uh, epic song uh, about Mark and Joe Cowley called... Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey Mark, look at your tweets, they're a lot like Howley. I hate that so much. I actually got the chorus done. You ready for this? Hey Mark, look at your tweets, they're a lot like Joe...
1: Entirely different than the first part you sang, uh, because you used his first name instead of his last name. So that was uh, instructional. All right, right. I figured it out. All right, well, we'll we'll play (laughs) that um, sometime when I'm not on the show. (laughs) What uh, are we doing, (laughs) Doug? What are (laughs) we doing? All right, Fred, walk the dog. Uh, You can you can find me at Doug underscore Tonus on Twitter, um, which you probably know already. Uh, because if you follow one of these guys, then maybe you'd follow me too. But uh, that'll do it for this edition of the show. Good luck editing this, Mark. And we'll talk to you guys next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.